0: This message is sponsored by Life Touch Massage. For your next massage service, call us at 205-718-5144 or visit the web at www.lifetouchal.com. Remember, relief is only a touch away.
1: What up, what up, what up? This is Lamar Story. Um one of your hosts for the podcast tonight, and we are joined by two lovely guests. Would you please introduce yourself, please?
2: Thank you, my name is Dr. Adrian Starks. I am the founder and CEO for Stream Innovations, which stands for Science, Technology, Reading, Engineering, Arts, and Mathematics. We provide programming for students, hands-on across all of those different disciplines, right in your communities.
1: Thank you, Adrian. Now you. I, w- I want to call you Dr. Erica so bad. I've I been know. called that
3: a lot today. Really? Um, yeah, so I actually ended up in culinary school while going studying MCAT, so I didn't quite make it there, okay. um, but but I am thinking about doing a PhD in nutrition, so, you know.
1: Something to that there. Speak it, right. speak
3: it. I am not Dr. <laughs> Erica yeah. E. Perry, owner and founder of Not Just Catering, we provide food that is the art that gives you life. We are here. We exist to bridge the gap between health and lifestyle.
1: Well, thank you too for joining us, and we're also joined my lovely co-host over here. It's me, who <laughs> <It's> Tiffany. <you. laughs> I'm in here. How you feeling, Tiffany? I'm
0: I'm feeling good.
1: Mm. <laughs> I'm feeling. How was your week?
0: My week was not awesome.
1: <laughs> Tell the truth, then, Tiffany. What you lying
0: for? <laughs> <laughs> so I have had a very grumpy week. I woke up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we had an argument earlier today, so we are just now being friends this afternoon mm-hmm. or this evening. Yes. So he was Aww. mad at me all day, and I had a little boundary crossing moment where I like was publicly petty and <clears throat> which I won't
1: get into. <laughs> But, um, but if y'all seen the Facebook page, she's talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> did you delete it, though?
0: I did. I deleted it. Uh-huh.
1: After I said something?
0: No, after I talked to one of my girlfriends and was like, that ain't how you normally do. But it wasn't like, it was publicly petty, but... It was one of them posts. That's like, if you think this applies to you, then okay, anybody can get the smoke today. <laughs> Basically, oh, I saw that.
2: You
1: saw
0: that. <laughs> oh you yeah, yeah. Head. You loved it.
2: You, you, I think you loved it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was actually talking about Lamar.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah, I love it though. I read it in instant and instantly felt happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's so evil <laughs> like,
1: yes, in the day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so i know for real like i have the program that i work with i have a girl in my program right now that is not like in the the best mental state and it's just i think last week was such a bad draining week like it's carried over and so like i just not felt like myself and so he made me mad, and I really felt like anybody could get it today, like your grandma could get
1: it today. you <laughs> my grandma. So, i got my ninety
0: four. <laughs> <laughs> <Enough laughs> for me, how is your? How was your day, Erica? Um,
3: so you got, you went with day and not the week, and so that works for me. Um, today was today has been busy, but it has been amazing. I woke up like feeling ridiculously drained because yesterday I like gave my all Mm -hmm. um you know to do the things and so this morning i woke up like yeah but that was my off day do i get to go to sleep um but i'm very proud of myself because it was like go through the list one at a time just Mm -hmm. do the one thing and if you want to nap after the one thing take a nap oh you're okay do the second thing
1: those power naps awesome Um, but i didn't
3: but i didn't even need any today like i i at some point around 12 o'clock i was like oh you in the rhythm oh you yeah, you were mm. caught up. So I've been moving and moving ever since. so.
1: That's what's up. Yeah, yeah I can't you in do a good mood. Now. At
0: all. Awesome.
3: That's why.
1: But go ahead. Can you
0: see your
2: face? What did we walk into? How, <laughs> how was your <laughs> weekday? So what did we walk into? Oh my gosh. My day was a bit long. I had meetings starting at eight and then had a two hour um, meeting that was very good, meeting with someone that wants to partner with us. That's and then a follow up meeting with a woman that I strongly desire to be a part of my team as a consultant. That Man, does he our eyes like you want to marry her? Yes. <laughs> You have no idea no idea um (laughs) she challenges me to step outside of my box to ask people for money in ways that i don't know how to do Mm. so yes i do i don't like
1: asking people for stuff
2: so in this in this world Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you like to do right um Either you're gonna do it and get the money, or you're not gonna get the money. Or you're not gonna do this anymore. I was like, they're right. gonna get another job, like <laughs> yeah. pretty much. Yeah. So she has always challenged me to ask for double of what I'm thinking. Mm. She's always challenged me to talk to companies and ask them for, at the very least, five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars first pop. Oh, I don't know. She was like, the first step to doing it is trying it. Yeah. She said. The person that you wanna get $50,000 from, don't start on them first. Mm-hmm. Start on a couple thousand-dollar people and work your way up to understanding how to ask for it and then be silent and let them marinate on it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to sell them on it after you've done the ask because you're at the table for a reason. Mm-hmm. Can she I be on her. her? Can she be mine? No, one? and no. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta show. <laughs>
1: Well, you ready to get into the topic today? What about your day? Oh,
2: you never going to check in? Oh, um uh, my
1: day was um my day was amazing. Uh, you know, I love doing what I do. It was busy. Um and every client that I had today, we had an amazing session. So it was very laid back kind of day, but busy at the same time. Just like all of the clients that I came they came in today were like friends, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So we had genuine conversations and And um, just genuine therapeutic experiences. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. one thing that was kind of a a stressor is that one of my employees is in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So she's in the hospital, which kind of, we had to sit down kind of early for me to be here. Because we had no one to cover the front desk. But that's like one of the stressors. Something you got to do with with being a business owner. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So um, I didn't sweat it too much. I sweated a little bit. Because this is Valentine's season, mm. and we missed probably seven appointments today.
4: Oh,
1: yeah. That's
4: a good punch.
1: Yeah. So that's money. So, um, seven. Yeah, we missed about seven appointments today because we had some people call this morning and wanted to come in this evening. Yeah. But anyway, that's what under the bridge. You ready to get into the, to today's topic?
0: <laughs> yes. Uh,
1: what are we talking about today, too?
0: Um, we will be talking about the stress of being a black business owner. B.O.B. Ready to get into it?
1: Let's do it. Let's do
0: it. We're two self-care experts, a
1: massage therapist,
0: and a licensed professional counselor,
1: husband and wife and parents of three,
0: business owners and working professionals, who have
1: intimate experience with stress both professionally and personally.
0: Our podcast aims to teach the everyday professional
1: how to live through the stresses in life
0: while learning to be their best in life. All right, welcome to episode 7 I'm your host Tiffany Story
1: And I'm your host Lamar Story
0: And today we have some special guests um, Would you like to introduce yourself Again
3: <laughs> <laughs> I am Erica The Chef, owner at Not Just Catering okay.
0: And Dr. Adrian Starks, Stream Innovations And today We have invited our special guest Did you introduce yourself back?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah, them drinks taking effect already um so today we're going to be talking the about <laughs> the stress of owning a black owned business. So the guests we have here today with us um, um myself included, we all own a business and we're all of African or African American descent. And today we want to talk about some of the <laughs> things that we go through owning a business, right? Um First of all I wanna start off by asking Erica, why did you start your business?
3: Ooh. It was something fun to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Are um, you the first business owner in your generation?
3: I am I am not. In my okay. generation I can sports in my family. Your family, yeah. First generation of business owners. I'm definitely not first generation, I was trying to think in my particular generation, like mm-hmm. the grandkids, but also no.
1: Okay. Well good. So you had an example of of entrepreneurship in your family? Is that what sparked your interest?
3: No. It, it wasn't really an intention to start my own business. I just do food until outside of the restaurant I do food for people. I actually ended up back in Birmingham to take a little break. I was moving to New York. I had been away from home for years. Like I spent a couple months and a little bit closer to home and started cooking for people while I was here just out of boredom, really. Mm-hmm. It's like you're home, you got to do something with your life. So it started no, off like either. a hobby. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
3: Well the business part of it started I mean I was already cooking and degreed and doing all that jazz. But I was at the house board and I was like, Hey, can I come to your house and cook? You wanna invite some people? Yeah. Tell them, to pay me five dollars a person and we'll make something happen. Mm, I wish
0: that was there <laughs> hand.
3: look we've
1: had not just catering and it is the boom the boom for real um, for I, real I thought you
3: would say that I've actually been reconnecting with that piece um the last couple of days so I'm trying to figure out a structure to actually do that but I'll
0: definitely add you to the list okay I'm a, probably gonna be like let me call months, you so. when my uh kitchen renovation is finished I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm on, on the side where the stove is and yeah. when that side is finished we'll be ready for you
1: alright <laughs> Adrian, why did you start your business?
2: I started a nonprofit because I'm originally from Fairfield, Alabama. Was not a fan of how the city was taking a negative turn, and wanted to figure out how to give back. Mm-hmm. My initial thought was to start this nonprofit and move back to Maryland because that's where I had been living. For about a decade and some change as a scientist Mm -hmm. so this is not the job that I signed up for when I went to school (laughs) (laughs) so the the idea was to start the nonprofit move back and run it from afar Mm -hmm. and that didn't happen because it's very difficult to run a business from afar let alone a nonprofit that is built upon building relationships with people
1: and let alone a startup nonprofit. Let alone a startup yeah. nonprofit. Yeah.
2: So that's one of the reasons that I did it because I felt like that was my way of giving back.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And I didn't want to run for office. I didn't want to do some of the other things that you could do to give back to a community. I wanted to give back in ways that I knew would be impactful because when I was a kid, I did summer programs at the University of Alabama, Birmingham and knew that it was a vehicle for me to be able to see what my passion, to feel what my passion was. And that's getting those first moments to say, oh, I like this. Mm -hmm. This is cool. And at that point, you're somewhat self-propelled to continue to find that. And Mm -hmm. once you do that, which is why I did multiple summer programs um, in high school, in college, um, and out-of-state and in-state, so I know that it's a vehicle to be able to take you to the places that you want to go based upon whatever your passion is. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was science.
4: Cool, cool. It
2: reminded me of, like, a
0: commercial for Reading Rainbow or something. <laughs> 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 you know, like how they say books mm-hmm. or an avenue to take you where you want to go. That's what science mm-hmm. did for you. Mm-hmm.
1: That's what's up. That's cool. Uh, I, for me, um, why I started... It was kind of a, a passion, so I became a massage therapist. It's almost relatable to Erica's story. So I became a massage therapist and then uh, you know I was Why working did you for a, become company. a
2: massage therapist. I have
1: no idea. I promise you I'll I I tell you.
0: We was talking on the phone. I was still in college, and Lamar said his auntie and them always said he did a good job massaging their shoulders. He said, I think I'm going to go to massage therapy school. I thought it was a conversation, <laughs> and the next day he called. He was like, yeah, I got enrolled in massage therapy school. I was like, hold on, wait. I just thought this was, like, regular dialogue. It, our cover, it really is the same. So I'm
3: finishing up a biology degree, studying for MCAT, getting ready to go away, and I was like, not, I think I'm going to go to culinary art school. And they're like, for what? It's like, I don't know, something to do. Like, it's my last summer of freedom.
1: And then that happened. Here we are. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so and here I am. You, you know. Do you so, remember that conversation? Yeah, I remember that conversation. Okay. And um, and now what's funny is that my the same aunt that I used to massage then works for me now. <laughs> 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 so it's funny. But anyway, um, so I was working for another company, but I, my clients just always like, man, this is so good. Where else do you work? So they kept, I kept getting it over and over again. You should start your own business. You should, you know, at the time, I wasn't thinking like that. You know, I was like, look, I'm satisfied working where I am and making money, and, you know, I'm good. And people was like, well, why don't you just come do this massage party for me on the side? And I was like, all right. And I did that, I was like, dang. I just made, <laughs> how long it take me to make this in one night, you know, working at, the place I was working. I was like, okay, so let me just start doing more of those. So I started start doing more of those. And I was like, okay, this could be like a business on the side. Mm-hmm. Then it just ran from there. So now, you know, of course on Life Touch massage Downtown, Seven Massage Therapist, and that's what we are now.
0: I don't I'm I'm a co business owner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm riding his coat
1: <laughs> So tonight, though, we want to talk about some of the stressors that we face owning a black business. Um, most of our most of us are kind of in our infancy stages in our businesses. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yes. Sure. Um, so we may have doing, been doing it a few years, but uh, we're still sort of kind of at the beginning stages of our businesses. And keep going. <laughs> so one of the realities that um, I want to talk about some of the realities we face when we're um, running our business, starting our business, uh, some of the hardships that we believe we may have faced. I remember um, we were seeking investors uh, for a space that we were looking for, and uh, one of the investors actually wanted—they were black—but they actually wanted us to. Hide the race of who actually own the business, and to actually put white faces as the front of the business. Um, uh, yeah. Five heartbeats. Yeah, so it was. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Yes, it was good. a stressor that's for true. me. We ended up not going with those investors, but at, and they were family too. But oh, wow. at the same time, it's like. How
2: did that feel? That's uh, okay. No, that's, but you
1: know what? It's understandable. Actually,
2: I, I said, yeah,
1: it was understandable. Because How? it's like, in order to survive, we're in Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. And if you were to give ask me for an example of of a successful Black business in Birmingham, Alabama, I could not have given you one at that time. Can you name one?
2: Is that because you don't know them, or is that most because likely
1: because they I didn't know them or they weren't publicized?
2: And I think that has to do with the businesses that you're exposed to. Mm -hmm. Depends on what part of town you live in and what your circles are. Because there are family businesses that have black owners Mm -hmm. for generations in this city. And I don't know them. I could name one because I I work for one. Like, We Care Academy.
4: Yeah.
0: You know, she, I mean, she had several daycares and I was exposed to her, but I was exposed to her because she had a connection to a alum from our college, mm-hmm. and when I was looking for an internship in undergrad, there was a phone call.
2: But
1: name another one. Um,
2: I think it's easier to name attorneys. It's Brothers. It's easier to definitely Ethridge Brothers yeah. for sure. And That's I went to school.
0: Point. I went to school with someone. Um, I, I mean, Hill
3: and Waters is we're just celebrating our sweet sixteen. That's yeah. sixteen years of.
0: Nominal growth
3: year mm-hmm. year on year,
0: mm-hmm. but I think I think it goes to a point though if you're first generational too. I think the family you come from plays a huge part on if you have exposure to other um, Black-owned mm-hmm. businesses. So like when we went shopping at Fly V, shout out to Fly V for always keeping us fly. <laughs> when we went to Fly V the last time to go shopping. And the owner started talking about his mom and his aunties owning business and exposing him to America's wholesalers
1: mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: at Atlantas. Yeah well, you said Atlanta's
1: America's market yeah. was like what, 11? Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I think it set the stage like I didn't have that exposure. I don't know anybody in my family that owned their own business. Well, my uncle's my uncle in Mississippi owned his own contracting business but outside of him I don't know anyone else
2: who owned well my grandfather my
0: grandfather was a business owner but
2: I think it's a (laughs) matter of if they're celebrated because I know Mm -hmm. the owner of Fly V and I know his mom and his aunts. I had no idea that they were business owners so if you're not in the circles with other families or other business owners where they bring their children or they bring their families into those conversations to know that to make sure that they're supported Mm -hmm and you're outside of that and you're a consumer just a consumer a basic consumer you're not aware
1: mm-hmm. so let me ask you this in your business have you ever been faced with the concept of hiding your race in your business
3: um, for sure in different. so me with with NJC not necessarily in hiding my race but just in general like there is no face, and so I, I went with that for a long time it's like the company stands on its own until I really grasp not the company is built on my reputation mm-hmm. it's my credentials it's my degrees it's my this it's my that that builds the credibility of the brand um, and it wasn't until I really grasped that and I don't know that it was well I don't want people to know that I'm a little black girl it was just You're over there, the business is over there, let it stand. Um, For sure, with the restaurant, that's a a whole thing. It's been in a family for a good bunch of years. And when it switched over to new ownership, that's new ownership in and of itself, but that's also black ownership where that has not been. And so we still fight with with what that looks like, what is the, the persona of that, what goes out, what comes in, it's always a thing. We have people that have been Customers of Michael's for years that will sit at the bar and start looking around. And it's like when did this happen? Yeah, <laughs> so, that's a that's, that's, a, a, real thing. Thing. that's a reality. Yeah. So, I definitely understand it mm-hmm. um, from a from a business perspective. I I as a general rule try to spend my time loving those that spend their time loving me, and so I really try not to. If you don't want to be here because me then I don't need you here. And I kind of stand, stand pretty firm on that, so.
2: What about you? For me, it's very different. Um, in the very beginning, we had to make the decision if we would solely target African-American children
4: mm-hmm.
2: and say that in all of our literature. And during some board meetings, um, our board members, one in particular, pushed back on that considerably She, at the time, was a teacher in Shelby County in Vincent, Alabama, which is rural. So it's not the more affluent part of Shelby County. Mm -hmm. So her exposure was to a lot of white children that were in rural communities that were first generation. And she really advocated for the fact that we should not place a color in, in words and in title for who we support but we support the communities that are underrepresented and underserved. For me, the, the way that I am clear about who we serve is the images that we choose to use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The images that we choose to use are those of children of color. If there are children of other races that are a part of our programs which we have had, they can join in You know, as far as our marketing as well But I wanted to be clear that we specifically make sure that those are the faces that you see. I have a really good friend that has a a business in the city and she is very particular about who, what images she shows. Mm -hmm. She's from where I'm from. I've known her for years and she mostly has white children and everything for all of her products. What do you
1: think that is?
2: That's a very interesting conversation I've never had with her because she lives on a part of town that is more white people um, and has even suggested that I should move to that part of town as well. Mm-hmm. And since she's been in that part of town, more, more of her circle are white women. Mm-hmm. And she's done a lot of things in a lot of white spaces. And she's always the black face hmm. in the white space. And she wants some additional company. And I said, I don't I don't choose to fight those fights right now. I would like to be able to be celebrated in communities that want to see
0: me. Right. I, you know, I think when I think about that, too, I also think about this whole push for inclusion. And I think Lamar and I have talked back and forth about that when we do advertisements or work on our website. And, you know, I think what bothers me is that we're forced to have to think about that. But when you think about other businesses like white-owned businesses or, you know, Asian-owned businesses, you know, unless they're specifically targeting us, no one else goes through that debate. It doesn't feel like anyone else debates whether they should include us in in instead of having one. Outside of having one, if you have the one, you're good. Yeah, so we're it's like you have to hit this benchmark to be considered um, being inclusive. But we have to debate how how many black people, or if we're gonna target um, just black be, uh, black clients and advertise using just black faces, or will that make us seem like we're trying to exclude the mm-hmm. majority? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, which to me is is stressful in itself yes. and I think that was actually one of the the bullets right
1: mm-hmm. So actually so I'm gonna read this quote first before we go to the next bullet right Many black businesses business owners choose to hide their identity in order to garner widespread appeal. That's pretty much what you just said um, your associate or your friend did in order to get mm-hmm. that widespread appeal. She does, <clears> she's <throat>
2: selling all over the country.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think she would have had the same success had she leaned more towards only black faces in her advertisement? Could so I convince
2: her that she would that she would have? I don't know if I could convince her of that.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's a perception, this is in quotes, and this is from the Hunter Miller Group, market research and strategic planning firm in Chicago said, there's a perception that black people can only do black stuff. It ain't pretty, but it's the truth. There was a quote. And it's called racism.
2: And I think that to some extent that is true because when other races view buying black-owned things, Mm -hmm. it also could be associated with taking on the persona of those black people. So your FUBU, your Sean John. Outside of it just being quality clothing, you kind of take on the persona of, well, I have to be, or I, I am associated with that group of people. Whereas if you buy Gap,
1: Tommy Hilfiger, or, or Tommy Bolo.
2: Hilfiger, or J. Crew, there's still a stereotype. Maybe those aren't good examples. Um. <laughs> last hey, so. Victoria's Secret. Nobody- Victoria's Secret. That, that was a good one. Yeah. No one associates with Victoria's Secret that I'm buying this to take on the persona of being a white woman. Right. It's I'm taking on this persona to be Sex. sexy and sensual. Mm-hmm. That's it.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, and That's an a, interesting. That's very a, interesting.
3: There's a, a space too when you um, monitor yourself as a black-owned business mm-hmm. that you have a target demographic. like I'm here for like I'm that I'm a black owned business is in many cases synonymous with I'm a black business so I'm here for black people yeah I am it's our dog whistle so right supposedly and and that that idea of oh this isn't a space for me Um, and Mm -hmm. then of course then there's that that other negative that's attached that oh it's a black owned business I'm not gonna get this quality the creativity is gonna be capped here um, one of one of my family members, because you know it's a lot of us, <laughs> that has a extremely successful business that actually sold and is worldwide at this point. One of the huge hurdles before they crossed that barrier was when people would come to the table and they see these two black men at the table. It was because they did at graphics and graphics within the journalist journalism community. It was like, oh well, we don't want it to be branded as like an urban. Oh, we're not branding as urban. 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 We're not, it's
0: like, well, that's not, like, no, no like these degrees. degrees. Like, I'm not limited to right? Like yeah. these,
3: these degrees, degrees don't say urban. urban. <laughs> like,
1: we're, I got we're an urban market. We're graph- graph- graphic, graphic, graphic designers, design.
0: right? Yeah.
2: So, with also with you being black, does that mean that you're automatically having a degree in urban design or urban anything insert your business that's afterwards? Good. Right. Yeah. I only cook soul food, you know? <laughs> uh, it's good though <laughs> And, masa- and, and yeah. Lamar only gives Black massages <laughs> What's a black massage?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you about to get the black massage <laughs> You never got before Like, like what, what, what <laughs> is that though? I yeah.
3: kind of greasy y'all use Y'all don't use body roll mm. Y'all use body grease right? We use blue- shea <laughs> <laughs> butter <blue,
1: blue> <laughs> <laughs> We use shea butter for our massage <laughs> uh, let's see, let's see. We had all the butters <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> no, no. but no. this
1: kind of goes into our next uh, bullet point which is the fear of being a sellout mm. so it's like you know we have all these stresses coming from us coming at us from the black community and then we have to appeal to a white audience especially if the market for our business is not black people
0: we feel like that
1: yeah so now it's like, if I don't market to people that look like me, am I being a sellout?
2: I think your your bullet point should start with a business owner's idea of what a sellout is. Mm-hmm. Because some business owners, their objective may have been to always be a part of the market with majority. Mm-hmm. And just along the way they happen to be black. And we don't know what that looks like on our end as African-Americans, black people, wanting to support that business. But internally, that's where they always want it to be. So the fear that we perceive that they have is not really a true fear. Mm -hmm. That's always where they want it to be, Mm because that's where they are. And you know, Connected to your question of the fear of selling out, I think I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a fear. I think it would almost be a burden of trying to prove that you are not and trying to prove by
1: that you're not selling out. That you're
2: not selling out. Mm-hmm. And the stress of trying to prove that to people that may or may not be buying your products or services. In a way, yeah. That's, the
1: <laughs> That's the crazy part. That's the crazy part.
2: That's the one part yeah. <laughs> like you've no, you never am. purchased anything from me like, hey, but yet you, you have so before? much to <laughs> say about me and my business
3: even the, the idea like so on the the food side of it of course mm-hmm. i i approach food from very distinct spaces right one is flavors and creativity which means
1: you can appeal to different if, if cultures. It, if
3: it exists in my head, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it existed anywhere in the world. I'm gonna try to figure out how I can put this together. And then of course there is health health and health health and wellness and so there's a certain brand of food that comes in and everywhere that I can intersecting those. But of course there are those spaces where it's like, Oh, you cook white people food. Well, white people I ain't never had this food either. Like mm. I cook food that no one's ever eaten before. So it can be your food if you want Mm -hmm. it to be and that kind of finding those spaces and so the interesting thing is when people of color are that are in spaces that are not introduced to different things when it's Mm -hmm. something I've never heard of Mm -hmm. then it must be white people's food and then that must be what it is Mm -hmm. Not, oh, you created something new with these flavors that I enjoy. No, Mm -hmm. it's something new within flavors that I enjoy. It must not be for me. And so overcoming that for me is a thing. Like a part of our mission is bringing people outside of the box one Mm -hmm. step at a time. And so a huge part of that is what is your favorite food? Why is that your favorite food? What are the flavors and the textures that exist in that? Let me figure out another way that I can create that. I know you're gonna like it because these are the flavors and textures that you enjoy and appreciate. I'm gonna present it a little bit differently for you. So, so like
1: you, when I had those grits, <laughs> and I'm calling them grits, but it was something different. And I had the salsa that you made, and I put them on my grits. Mm-hmm. And people was looking at me like, you put that you on know? the grits? <laughs> and I was telling them, like when I had my Christmas party and I, you uh-huh. know, I hired you to do the food.
3: Thank you. I said,
1: look, y'all got to put this sauce on these grits. (laughs) 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 They was like, no. I was like, I promise you. It and was grits so in good. the black
2: community is a whole thing. So the whole salt or sugar is a real thing, and then you throw it in salsa, like mm, yeah. people pulling yeah. black cards so my all the time. Even, even that sitting sitting that on the table and like on a menu
3: and calling it pico pico de gallo versus calling it salsa, like there's a whole other like I don't know, pico what I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> but you were just eating it on your ships yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a thing, right? Um, the the Ooh, technical difference in that is
0: is one is pureed and one isn't right. It's mm-hmm. a very basic elementary difference. Like, yeah. I did not know that. So oh. pico is just salsa with before it's like pureed, basically. Lessons blown.
4: Lessons
1: I
2: did
0: not know that. I'm sorry. No,
1: so no and then I will talk about my business in this in this realm, right? So you talk about fear of being a sellout. So, of course I'm black and I own the business. But all of my employees <laughs> are black. Right. What's <laughs> interesting, yeah. So what's what's interesting to me is that when people see that, they like, Oh, this is a black business, like mm. so I'm wondering what would happen if I hire someone white or someone mm-hmm. other than black. So and then at the
3: ratios
1: And then it's this. So Sometimes you'll get flack from your own community. Like, you know, you you should probably hire somebody other than black people. But what's crazy about that is there are so many businesses that are local. You go to Moundbrook, you go to Vestavia, like the local pharmacies, the family-owned pharmacies, the family-owned stores. They're all white. There's no such thing as a white-owned business. There's no such thing as a white-owned Thank you. There's no such thing as a white-owned <laughs> business. It's just its just a business.
2: Ding, ding. Yeah. Message.
1: <laughs> but when they see me and my staff, it's like, oh, this is a black-owned business. I'm proud of it. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but at the same but time. But it, it
2: kind of cuts two ways. And the other way is people that are looking for you because you are a man of color, a black man, African-American man that has this business and they want to make sure that they support you. Mm-hmm. So it, it but some,
0: most of the time, it's only black people searching that out.
2: True, we, yeah. we're the only people searching for people that look like us. People of color are the only people that are searching that out because Hispanic people, people color, are yes, searching are, that out. Are searching. Indian people are definitely searching that out. Yeah. but if you're if you're white, people are searching it out too. Yeah,
0: well. Yes. Yes. That's
1: thing. They're searching
3: for
1: different reasons often. Yeah. So that kind of goes into one of the topics too, because social media has made it so easy to see who's behind the scenes of these businesses. Like back in the day, it was kind of harder, I mean, easier to hide the face of the business. Like, so you could have a black owned, am I saying this right? A black owned, a Mm -hmm. person that's black (laughs) (laughs) that owns a business. I'm just saying, because, you know. (laughs) <laughs> um but they could be like behind the scenes and people would never know who owns who really owns that business. A black business but through social that. media now, you're gonna see the face. You're gonna see the behind the scenes, you're gonna see all of those things. People so people
2: are looking for
1: that. Yeah. That's like They're the first thing they look at.
2: I, I think it's interesting. There are different organizations that from the non profit world we, we get a gamut of different things. So you can have a owner of an executive director of an organization that is white or does not identify as being a person of color, whole other thing. But their deputy or their number two is black, and that's the face you always see solely in black communities.
1: Mm. Yeah. So. It's very strategic.
2: Very strategic. I'm not always mad at that Mm
1: -hmm.
2: not always Um, it depends on the power dynamic in the organization it depends on how that person is treated if the exact if I am not a person of color if if I'm going into a Hispanic community and I don't know Spanish trust and believe it just makes good business sense to walk in there with someone that knows how to speak Spanish. Sure, right, mm-hmm. And I think the same is is with culture, um, and trying to figure out where where you draw the line of really pimping
0: the culture. Yeah. But this is my thing though. You may send a black face in there for that person to be better received. But a lot of times we as black people are more accepting of white people or we trust white people to sell us something before we trust people who look like us in a lot of situations. So, you know, sometimes even though you have these companies who put these black faces forward, those aren't the people we always trust.
2: We'll hit them with the side eye. So I'll, I'll address that really, really quick. Um, so my father um, sold insurance for a number of years, and he did it specifically because he wanted to come back to, maybe this is a family thing, he wanted mm-hmm. to come back to the city that he loved to help black people set up insurance policies to be able to create wealth within their families. Yep. And from his church, friends, network he had lived in the city for a number of years he was very discouraged at how many people would not purchase policies from him but would purchase policies from his white counterparts within his company from his community yeah so they wouldn't buy it from him but they would buy it from the white man that's selling the exact same thing but for whatever reason i just can't buy it from you because some there's something that I don't trust about buying this exact same thing from you. And it is definitely a source of stress and a source of pain where you are doing things as a black business owner to support your community, and your sub- community does not support you because you are a black business owner. You know, and it's funny because I don't, I'm not, I own a
0: black business. I own a business. I am a black business owner because his business is my business, right? But <laughs> but I do work a job where I'm considered the, the head person of my program. And I'm the go-to person. I get to make the decisions. You know, a lot of times when there's something I want to do, I have a, a lot of freedom. Um, but it's funny because I was talking to my social worker um, who you know, works under me. And we had a meeting with this apartment complex because my program provides housing for homeless young ladies. And we were having a lot of maintenance issues. And so we went in to talk to the apartment manager. Now, I asked for the meeting. I enter in and I engage in the conversation. And every question that I ask, she looks at her and she responds. And at some point, it became very frustrating for me. And I wanted to say to her, I am the one talking to you. So I would prefer if you directed your response to me. But I didn't. You know, because at the same time, I had to debate in that moment, if I call her on the carpet, do I appear to be the mad black woman? You know, gratefully, I have a social worker who is, although she's white, she is really aware. She's worked in the black community. She's, and an
1: ally.
0: she's an ally. Yes. And I feel like like we can talk about stuff. She can even ask me questions like, is this a
2: black thing or a white thing? And we can laugh about stuff. You know what I'm saying? But I think we struggle collectively when we give black teachable moments. Is this going to be a teachable moment right now? Mm-hmm. Where I have to give a lesson?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Or will I just take this one for the team because I am tired today. And I don't feel like having to like that. lack that in at and this, of itself this moment is a
3: stressor. Is the, the yes. idea of when do when do I stand up and assert yes. in this space, and when do I make assumptions? <clears throat> so so for me, like there's there's always the thing in the room. So m- most days I look like I'm 13. We get it. I'm, Girl, We on the same team I'm in middle school too You look like you're a child (laughs) You're black And you're a woman So automatically In the boardroom You're not the one I'm talking to I've been asked Out of boardrooms For meetings That I've called Like hey We're about to have A meeting in here Aware of that Mm -hmm. I'm the reason That you're here Um, And so that That space Of which What do I put On the table Like oh Who do you get today Maybe I should have Put on heels Like I get that you thought I was a child. Or did you dismiss me because I'm a woman? Or did you dismiss me because I'm a black woman? Or did you just dismiss me because I'm not a familiar face and you thought you knew everyone's in the building? And so that constant thing of how do I show up? Because I don't I don't want to show up as the angry black woman. It's like, oh well no, I just thought that that these people were at the meeting and I didn't know you. And then it's a whole other thing. And so if you miss those teachable moments, if you miss the mark on, on those moments, there's a whole
0: other I missed the mark layer. that day, but I trust and believe the real Tiffany showed up a, a few weeks later. So.
2: But I, I think it's interesting because you have to now come up with different tricks to figure out how to assert yourself and test the water. Right. And is it a, a moment where you're testing the water to see... If it is truly that they didn't know your face and it wasn't because of all the different categories that you can check mm-hmm. um, or is it because they are just personally ignorant and if you don't check them right. this will continue to happen and then it becomes a thing of at what moment do I check you because you're being disrespectful yeah. this is not a thing of you know, oh, look at the little black girl or anything of that nature. Mm. I'm a black business owner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's a level of respect that I should have in that space that you would give anyone else that was a business owner, period. Period. So I'm do that just as anyone else that's sitting around this table.
1: So do you believe that's why right now African-American women are the leading (laughs) black business owners in the United States? Why? Right. You said why? Yeah, why? You
2: said She's what, trying to understand
1: your the, question. What's the reason? Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I was about to get to that. <laughs> but, Let's heat it. Let's go. But they're struggling. So that's where I was going. Okay. So you brought up the whole thing. You brought up the thing about not being respected in, in the boardrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the leading black business owners in the U.S., mm-hmm. but they're struggling business owners. Do you believe that that's why? According to statistics. According to the statistics that we have.
2: Many black women are the leading professors, academics, and scientists. Right. As far as people of color. Will not say, nope, nope, correct me. As far as domestically trained people. Not first generation because that's another race. Um... My other hat as in academia, this is the exact same thing that I see there where I've been a part of fellowships and we've, we're having these same conversations mm-hmm. where I'm getting ready, let's say hypothetically I'm getting ready to present at a national conference and I'm coming in to make sure that my slides are correct, to go through my slide deck to make sure that the sound is good, the pictures are good, and someone walks in and assume that I'm the help. Or someone walks in and assume that I'm out of place. When that's not, that's the norm of what you do when you're doing a presentation. And for many women that I've been in relationship or connection with, it's it's a very beautiful sisterhood of shared pain (laughs) where we, share the pain so that you know that you're not alone and it's not just happening to you and you're not just being singled out this is what academia looks like because it is very white very male dominated and to also see this in the business world where i don't know if it's the same but it's very very clear in academia that is white and is male
0: you know, I think you just hit on hit on what he's trying to get to. I think we are struggling because in many, many spaces that we are starting to really... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're starting to filtrate in. You know, we're starting mm-hmm. to, to enter in. It is white-dominated, and it's male-dominated, white male-dominated. And I think, too... The ones who are not struggling are the ones who appeal to white men, you know, and me and Lamar have talked about that, that he's been in certain spaces that Mm. he's had to bring his spouse and it's been suggested to him, well, you should bring your wife to you should allow your wife to help you with the business because, you know. My skin complexion, which I see, I see myself as brown, but apparently I'm light skinned to other people, you know. <laughs> sure or my hair struggles. is the right te- texture, yep. or you know I'm charming enough. And even on my job is is frustrating because in many places I've been, I've heard that I'm charming, or I've heard that I get compliments about my looks. Oh, your eyes are so beautiful, or. And I'm just like, well, what that got to do with the tea in China? Because I'm talking to you about my budget. You know what I'm saying? But I've also found myself having to utilize that as my, you know. Heck yeah. But I, I think it's frustrating <laughs> for me because I can see someone who's in the same position, who's doing the same thing, who is has a darker skin complexion, yep. and they mad at me because... You know, it's fair I'm, I'm getting attention that yeah. they they're not getting. But it's not a competition. I didn't do this on purpose,
2: ma'am. It's a privilege. I was like, yeah. it's a privilege and rec- it's it's recognizing a privilege. recognizing it's a
0: privilege. your
3: privilege. Mm-hmm. Privilege exists. There's lots of different privileges that mm-hmm. exist. It's course. levels too. It. There are so many levels. And I think that it becomes important, particularly in these spaces. And it depends on what your mission is and what is important to mm-hmm. you. But utilizing your privilege to support your mission, whatever whatever that is, good, bad, or indifferent. And if if I am for this community of people, I want other chefs to to be able to have this space. I know a couple of years ago here in Birmingham. I mean, and even now, it's a little bit more open now, but trying to find a kitchen to cater out, I started doing personal chefing because it was easier easier for me to get licensing that way. It was almost impossible for me to get licensing otherwise, because it was almost impossible for me to go to you and say, can I utilize your kitchen? And then I see someone else utilizing your kitchen, I thought, but you don't rent out your Oh, okay. You, don't so, make, you rent it out to me. Was, like, yeah, I see that. Yeah. And so, so, using wherever I do have privilege, wherever I do have those spaces, to then say, okay, I know I didn't have a privilege in this space and I needed someone to open that door for me. I'm so, one open of this the stressors,
1: I believe, and then just going to another topic um, <clears throat> competing instead of collaborating.
0: And I was actually about to say, um, go ahead and finish that mm-hmm. thought.
1: So, We know this. This is how America works. Um, Of course, I've run Life Touch Massage, so some people meet my wife and they was like, "She should be the face of Life Touch Massage." She's
2: beautiful.
1: So you know, that infuriated me. (laughs) At the same time, you know what I'm saying? Because I was like,
0: like (laughs) "They was like you're. They
1: was like you're smart. You're
0: talented. You're
1: talented. You're smart. You know, you got a good thing going." But to appeal to white folks, you need to have your wife be the face of Life Touch Massage.
2: But I think, though, (laughs) I know you felt that way because it's Life Touch Massage Mm -hmm. and it's your business, Mm -hmm. but it's massage, period. So you also have kind of this double-edged sword of being a male Mm -hmm. in this business as well. And oftentimes people are more comfortable seeing women in that role too whether it's black or white and then in addition to that you're being a black male that's not this little slender petite dude um that many men are intimidated and they're like no i don't care how good he is and because he is good you're not going
1: yeah and what's interesting about our profession there's more women during <clears throat> doing massage in the profession than there are men in general, but the men um, are the ones that stand out. So if you look at any of the the people that are the, when you think about massage therapists and you think about the people that stand out, they have these big classes and all the big the scholars, they're all male. They're not black male, but they're white men.
2: Why Why is it that's a disparity within itself? If they're, if black if white men are predominantly the ones receiving the scholarships and receiving the shine and it's the majority white women that are in the profession that's a bit bizarre on its own
3: the, the same on, on my end of the spectrum you know it's a woman's place to be in the kitchen, women mm. cook but it is challenging as a woman to work your way up the ranks mm. of the culinary scale if you look at the chef's they it's, it's very challenging.
0: I think I think it has yeah. to do with you can do this, right? We expect you to cook. We expect you to cook well. But what we also expect is that you take direction. You are not to lead, you are not to give and, and not to be the director and be, be it, the but owner. But even
3: but even in even in the spaces and just in the structure in a restaurant, um, and moving moving through the different spaces. I left one job, um, as the sous chef and turned down an executive chef position and moved into another restaurant, um, as a supervisor, you hired me as a supervisor, but you, when I wanted to be on the line, you want to put me in garbage, which means you want me to make salads. Honey, that's not what I have this degree for. No shade to the salad makers of the world, but no. And it's like, well, oh, you know, we don't want to put you on saute because well, are you fast enough to work saute? Give me a day. And, and in that space, um, in the last job that I had, I was the only person that could work every department, every station, banquets, restaurant, the bar restaurant, bartend, saute, grill, all of them. And I had to prove that I could do all of them and knew every recipe for every one of those stations before I was given one opportunity to work on the line for one night. Your sous chef can't do that at this point. Um, and so that burden of I'm good enough Proof. and working twice
0: as hard to prove. Twice. That, yeah. Eight
3: times.
1: So that hard. goes into our next <laughs> bullet point, which is meeting unrealistic expectations. to keep us on task. Yes. <laughs> so as far <laughs> as black businesses, we have to meet unrealistic expectations all the time. We have to be better. And this is what I tell my children. You have to be better than the rest. To what?
0: Be the best.
1: To be the best. So, this is what I tell my kids at home.
0: Like they have to recite that.
1: Yeah, you have to be <laughs> better than the rest to be the best. And and it's what what really what really bothers me is that other black people that come to your black business expect your business to be subpar in our shock because
0: that's what we have to
3: understand and realize is the same system that trained the way of thinking of our color redacted counterparts trained our our, our sisters and brothers as well mm-hmm. we grew up in that same system so that same programming exists it's always the other so It's like, well, my friends are good, but it's—I've heard this narrative my entire life. So clearly, everyone outside of my circle must be this. Oh
0: yeah. It's the
3: same. It's the same narrative. But what bothers
0: right? me though, this is what bothers me. That I can I can be at a <laughs> I can be at a job, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm dressed to the T I'm mm-hmm. dressed in what I think is corporate business or what business wear. But then you have somebody that's coming in applying for the same position who is white and they got on flip-flops, khakis, and and just a regular polo shirt, if that. And in their mind, it is nothing wrong with their attire. But the person that's assessing me is assessing me from head to toe
2: to look if I'm appropriately dressed for the position. So I don't think we should ever forget that although business is not personal, is definitely about relationships and who you know. But so that's the, an, so even the, people that so, don't know somebody. So the You don't know who people know, especially in this super, super small city. Um, if someone is able to come in with flip-flops or if someone is able to come in dressed to the nine, it would behoove you to know someone in the company that you are applying for.
0: No, I'm going to give you an example. And, and, I was the hiring person at my last job. I brought someone who was white to interview, and she came in. It was embarrassing for me the way that she came to the interview. I was like, Why do you have that on? You know? And what was funny though was that she felt comfortable enough to dress that way. Now, in this particular situation, there was an older white lady who said, Why does she have that on? Which shocked me. But in her mind, she had gotten other jobs. Because I asked her, why did you feel comfortable?
2: But I think as well, she does not represent all white people. No, but I've seen that situation happen multiple times. And even if it happened 10 times, she doesn't represent all white people in that space. And I think it is our responsibility, especially as business owners, to set the tone and executives to set the tone so that she received a life lesson that day that mm-hmm. this was not acceptable. That's true.
1: All right, so Erica has to step out. We'll see you later, Erica. Bye, Thank Erica. you for joining us. We Make appreciate your presence.
3: Be sure to check us presence. out at because, you know, all things food, art, life, we're magic.
1: <laughs> nice plug. Peace. Peace. <laughs>
2: I think, I think it's hard, connecting. going back to what you were saying, Tiffany, it's hard because a lot of things are who you know. It's not even the degrees that you have. I agree with that. Even when you have the degrees and someone else doesn't have the degrees, it's also who they know. So trying to figure out what is your point of leverage so that you can be able to get the job or do okay. well in the job, as people? well as being able to move up in the job mm-hmm. so all of those are some very interesting games that you have to learn to master and play mm-hmm. and if you don't want to play the game and you only think that you just need to do good work
0: mm-hmm.
2: you are fooling yourself because that's not the business I agree with you I really agree with you all
1: right, I think this a, has been a very um Interesting conversation. Um, we could probably do a part two of this. <laughs> we can. <laughs> yeah, we we may. But um I think that, you know, being a black business um, owner. Owner. Thank, thank you. Mm-hmm. you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It. <laughs> it comes ad. Adrian keeping me right over there. <laughs> But being a black business owner, we f- we face stressors from all sides, from our own people and from people outside of our culture, in order for us to get things um, done. Um, one thing we didn't talk about tonight was one of the the, the major thing that most Black business owners uh, stress about is financing their business. It's so um, I think it was like over eighty-five percent of Black business owners have to use their own money. I was reading a a article from. Um, black enterprise that stated that they took two people one guy was a a black guy Um, he got denied three or four times his credit score was like a 720 they took a white guy that had a a lesser credit score and he walked out of the bank with a million dollar line of credit and when I read that I was like wow And personally, uh, one of my clients graduated school. Now she's a doctor. Upon graduation, never had a business. Went to the bank and got a a loan for $500,000. And I was like, is it really that easy? Like for real, like, cause even at some point in your head, you be like, okay, this is 2019. Are you still telling me that just because I'm black, I don't get finance for my business?
2: This whole conversation is stressful. (laughs) (laughs) Because you are trying to be a psychic. You are also trying to compare yourself to other people and not knowing everything they said at the table. And other people that may be supporting them that you have no idea about. Or who they know and what connections they have. And I don't even and, think it's about that. But, but what I'm saying is, we don't know. We have now, no idea. Now, in the
1: study, we do know. Yeah, so in the study, a controlled study, this was a study that was like, that took two people on purpose. This was a purposeful study. And you're telling me this guy, one black guy, got denied by four different banks. And this other white guy went in and came it's, out with it, a million dollars. But let me say this. I,
0: I participated in a class when I was in college. And it was a short week. At Berea, you had uh, what we call 414 <clears throat> format. So you did a semester. There was a month of short term and then another semester. And this particular class that I participated in, we followed a study where there were two uh, two people, a white person and a black person that was dressed the exact same way, that was given the exact same credit score and everything. They had no connections to the people and they were going, they went in to, to get finance for a car and the black person was denied every time and the white person was granted financing. So I, I, I don't, space. I don't want you to
2: yeah. make the assumption that I don't think racism is real. Right. Uh, it's oh, not what I'm saying. No, mm-hmm. At I all, understand period. exactly what but you're saying. what I'm saying is the stress of all this going through our heads with no, no statistics, wondering if I'm one of those people in that particular situation or is it something else that maybe I need to get my business health um, to be a bit more appropriate to ask for certain things or is it because the person that I'm dealing with is very racist and the the last part is as a black business Mm -hmm. is what your support looks like from your network and your family and your community which is very different than more affluent communities. And that can be black or white. That's true. Um, but as or a business- other. Or a, oh, oh, other.
1: other yes. is
2: major. Major. Because in other communities that are not black or white, the idea
1: that are not of black. Hat,
2: that are not black, mm, I think I'm more so talking about Indian and Asian.
1: Yes, me too. Yeah, he
2: means, he means but that.
1: whites too. I mean, I mean, just, just to be honest, because I I read some some articles before we had this discussion. We are the only community that feel the way about our businesses in the way that we do. We will actually go outside of our community to go and support another business. We will complain about our prices and go pay another a higher price to another culture it's been proven it's been studied who owns the same business who has the same type of business
2: and not negating that what I was highlighting was the power the collective power that they have together so there will be people that are not going to support your business Mm -hmm. I I can't I I can't stress over who's not going to support me but when I'm looking to the corner of who will support me and it's two people there There I have some serious stress. But this is the thing.
0: It it goes even beyond that. Even if an Asian person is the first person of their generation to walk over here and try to start their own business, they are more likely to succeed with having no support system here at all than you are having Where do you think that
2: support system comes from? Because in order for them to get here... They didn't just decide, you know what, I'm just going to walk over here because it and wasn't I'm that not expensive about, to get I'm here. Not, but listen, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking about not just 2019, though, okay?
0: Uh, even if we go back historically, okay? People of other races, even now, they're recruiting. And I mean, there's articles that says that the U.S. is recruiting from other countries people who look more white to come over to this country so that Black people or people of color don't overpopulate. That's a conversation for another, a different day. But what I'm saying is, I can come over here yeah i may have some support i might have some people but i can still come over here being someone who does not have an established history who is not a natural born citizen and can come get money that you can't get even if sometimes your parents are affluent or well known in the community and have had their
2: own business so i'm i'm not talking against that what i'm talking about is what real support looks like okay and when you have real support in your culture I know of a, a family of Indian descent when I was in Maryland. She started off threading in a black shop. Mm-hmm. She was like, hey, you know, I'm going to move to another shop. You know, if you want to follow me, that's fine. But she moved to another shop. Her next shop had her name on it. Mm-hmm. And she had three other threadists that were in there that were Indian. And then she brought other black women to come in to do hair because they understood the hair texture Um, she also in that shop came up with her own line of cosmetics Mm -hmm. in that shop that was her first personal shop this is all within 10 years she had another shop that in this shop there was threading There was a beauty salon. At the bottom, you had a massage spot. Mm -hmm. At the top, you had a yoga and Pilates studio.
1: Mm -hmm. Was...
2: This was because Mm -hmm. of people pooling their money together. Were they asking for loans? Probably, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But if someone has some money within their community and they wanted to see this business and this person do well, they put the money in there we like a to lot make of sure that happened. Okay, plans. so I get what you're I, I saying. So, you, you know, I'm not saying that there will continue to be racism. There are probably places that she never even considered to ask for money because she knew they weren't gonna give it to her. Yeah. So what I will do, because I will have this business, is make sure that I go to communities that want me to be there, and that's my community, where my dollars rotate multiple times a day,
4: mm-hmm.
2: whereas in other communities, it's a few weeks, black communities.
1: A day. Oh, no, it's not it, even a whole day. It depends <laughs> on where you live. Yeah. yeah.
2: And that makes a huge difference um, of how a business is able to thrive regardless of the quality.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: If you have a really high quality business and it's in a community that is not supporting the business, regardless of how absolutely amazing you are,
4: mm-hmm. yeah. it is
2: not going to thrive. And all your hopes and dreams and your business plans and all these great things that you wanted to do, it's not going, at the end of the day, it's not happening. That's true. And that's a huge stressor mm-hmm. because you've done everything that you were supposed to do to be successful and it didn't happen.
0: Yeah. So I guess my, one of my questions would be as, as a, a black business owner, um, um, what do you think is one of the greatest stressors for you personally, owning a business and being black? And, I, and maybe even answer to being a black woman.
2: That's a whole nother conversation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one, I, when I first came back, one of my biggest stressors that I allowed to get under my skin were older people calling me little girl Mm. With a PhD.
1: Mm-hmm. With a doctor. Dr. Little Girl to you, sir.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so and she, you know, little girl. Hey, little girl, how
2: you doing? Look, look.
1: It's Dr. Little Girl. Come,
2: come, come in. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out when I would fight that battle.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think that that's a huge thing in the South. I mean, I'm just be honest. I'm not originally from the South. And it, it was a culture difference, but I think that's a, a big thing here in the South.
2: So here personally, I struggle with when to wear the doctor hat and when not to wear the doctor hat. Mm-hmm. There are times that I will wear it because I feel like, yeah, you need to feel this. Mm-hmm. And there are other, t- <laughs> other times that I don't wear it because I don't want it to feel as if I'm not approachable. No. Yeah. And there's this really weird time where people find out that I have it and they're like, why are you not using it?
4: Mm-hmm. If I had it,
2: I'd always use it. I was like, eh, it just depends, yeah. because people treat you differently. Yeah. So the stress of how I present myself for my business and how people receive me based upon their assumptions of what it is for a black woman, for a woman, a black woman, a black woman with the degree, a black woman with a hard science degree, mm-hmm. a black woman that's also from here, although Many people don't still believe that I'm from here. hmm I get that too. Which is interesting. That um, there are some people that don't necessarily automatically support. And I think for any black business, one of the biggest stressors, in my opinion, is being let down by people that you thought would support you, mm. but they do, they, they do not.
1: Mm. And, and it's so interesting you say that because I think about my family, right? And I think about you know the business that I have, and they're proud of you. Mm-hmm. They're very proud of you.
0: They'll brag on you. They'll too. brag on
1: you, but they haven't spent a dollar with you. And right? it's
0: not that they don't spend dollars in the same industry sometimes that you work.
1: Yeah.
4: Yikes.
1: Yeah. Stressful yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Then you had to have that conversation At like the family dinner You're like oh, <laughs> Bruh So really? you not
0: got a massage For such and such place mm. So answer that question The same question I asked Asked Adrian And then we're gonna
1: What's the biggest stressor?
0: Wrap it up Yeah For you personally As mm. a black business owner
1: Honestly the biggest stressor for me Is because I have Nine people That work for me And the biggest stressor for me is respect. Hmm. Because everybody that works for me is black. And I think they treat me differently because I'm black. I know for certain some of the things that are done and I'm very intentional about my leadership. I'm very intentional about not being treated the way I was treated when I worked for a white business. I'm very intentional about being hands-on and talking to everybody that works with me. But at the same time, I feel like they don't respect me because I'm a black business and they take advantage of it. And that saddens me because they're young and I think that they don't know. And it's and a few of them, I'm their first job. Mm-hmm. And they kind of look at me like Well, just like my brother, my instead of looking at me like I'm the boss, and I think if they work for a white business, I know for a fact if they work for, they wouldn't do the same things that they're doing for me. That's one of my biggest stressors.
0: So this has been a very good conversation. I don't think that we hit all the points that we wanted to hit. But I don't
1: know. There's a couple of more, but this has been long. Like I said, we could do a, we could do a second one. Yeah.
0: So uh, we invite you back, Adrian, and we'll invite Erica back. Um, but let's get into the tips today. tips of the day so my tips of the day are going to be raw off the cuff so I'm going to address this question to Adrian and Lamar um, so as a black business owner what advice would you give someone who is contemplating um, launching their own business just jumping in and, and becoming an entrepreneur
2: I would strongly suggest that you do your research as a nonprofit owner, definitely connect with why you're doing it. Passion can lead you so far, but you have to understand that it's a business. And if you don't understand the business of your organization, it will be more of a headache than a help to the community.
0: Okay. What about you, Mott? I
1: would definitely say, if you don't have business courses, because a lot of people in our community have great business ideas with no business expertise, better speak on it. Um, Fine, lo- you don't have to actually go to school to major in business you to, don't. to be a business owner.
0: Take my advice. I was a business major, <laughs> uh, and
1: actually, what's funny is that most of the time you had to have a degree to work for a business owner who does not have a degree. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, That's crazy. But what you can do is find local opportunities that teach you business skills um, in a short amount of time. Um, Another thing is don't depend, and this is sad to say, but from our culture we just have not learned yet. But uh, I'm seeing an increase in this, but don't depend on your current surroundings to support your Mm -mm. business. And Mm -mm. that's sad to say, but it's a reality right now, is that if you're starting a business depending on your family, your auntie, your uncle, or your cousins, or your friends to support your business, it's not gonna happen. So have a viable business structure that you believe that is going to make money and appeal to people outside of your current uh, realm or current circle of influence. Okay.
0: Well, this has been a great podcast. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank... Dr. Adrian for joining us. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you for having me. Thank
1: you, Erica. Even though you're not here, your spirit's (laughs) there.
0: So until next time, live your best life.
1: Living through stress. Hello.